Section six of an inland voyage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. An inland voyage by Robert Louis Stevenson. Ponceau Sombre. We are peddlers. The cigarette returned with good news. There were beds to be had some ten minutes walk from where we were at a place called pont we stowed the canoes in a granary and asked among the children for a guide the circle at once widened round us and our offers of reward were received in dispiriting silence we were plainly a pair of bluebeards to the children they might speak to us in public places and where they had the advantage of numbers but it was another thing to venture off alone with two uncouth and legendary characters who had dropped from the clouds upon their hamlet this quiet afternoon sashed and benived and with a flavour of great voyages the owner of the granary came to our assistance singled out one little fellow and threatened him with corporalities or i suspect we should have had to find the way for ourselves as it was he was more frightened at the granary man than the strangers having perhaps had some experience of the former But I fancy his little heart must have been going at a fine rate for he kept trotting at a respectful distance in front and looking back at us with scared eyes Not otherwise may the children of the young world have guided Jove or one of his Olympian compeers on an adventure a miry lane led us up from Cart, with its church and bickering windmill. The hinds were trudging homewards from their fields. A brisk little woman passed us by. She was seated across a donkey between a pair of glittering milk cans, and, as she went, she kicked jauntily with her heels upon the donkey's side, and scattered shrill remarks among the wayfarers. It was notable that none of the tired men took the trouble to reply our conductor soon led us out of the lane and across the country the sun had gone down but the west in front of us was one lake of level gold the path wandered a while in the open and then passed under a trellis like a bower indefinitely prolonged on either hand were shadowy orchards cottages lay low among the leaves and sent their smoke to heaven Every here and there in an opening appeared the great gold face of the West I Never saw the cigarette in such an idyllic frame of mind He waxed positively lyrical in praise of country scenes I Was a little less exhilarated myself the mild air of the evening the shadows the rich lights and the silence made a symphonious accompaniment for our walk and we both determined to avoid towns for the future and sleep in hamlets at last the path went between two houses and turned the party out into a wide muddy high road bordered as far as the eye could reach on either hand by an unsightly village the houses stood well back leaving a ribbon of wasteland on either side of the road where there were stacks of firewood carts barrows rubbish heaps and a little doubtful grass away on the left a gaunt tower stood in the middle of the street what it had been in past ages i know not 
probably a hold in time of war but nowadays it bore an illegible dial plate in its upper parts and near the bottom an iron letter box the inn to which we had been recommended at cart was full or else the landlady did not like our looks i ought to say that with our long damp india rubber bags we represented rather a doubtful type of civilization like rag and bone men the cigarette imagined these gentlemen are peddlers ces messieurs sont les marchands asked the landlady and then without waiting for an answer which i suppose she thought superfluous in so plain a case recommended us to a butcher who lived hard by the tower and took in travellers to lodge thither went we but the butcher was flitting and all his beds were taken down or else he didn't like our look as a parting shot we had these gentlemen are peddlers it began to grow dark in earnest we could no longer distinguish the faces of the people who passed us by with an inarticulate good evening and the householders of pont seemed very economical with their oil for we saw not a single window lighted in all that long village i believe it is the longest village in the world but i dare say in our predicament every pace counted three times over we were much cast down when we came to the last auberge and looking in at the dark door asked timidly if we could sleep there for the night a female voice assented in no very friendly tones we clapped the bags down and found our way to chairs the place was in total darkness save a red glow in the chinks and ventilators of the stove but now the landlady lit a lamp to see her new guests i suppose the darkness was what saved us another expulsion for i cannot say she looked gratified at our appearance we were in a large bare apartment adorned with two allegorical prints of music and painting and a copy of the law against public drunkenness on one side there was a bit of a bar with some half a dozen bottles two laborers sat waiting supper in attitudes of extreme weariness a plain-looking lass bustled about with a sleepy child of two and the landlady began to derange the pots upon the stove and set some beefsteak to grill these gentlemen are peddlers she asked sharply and that was all the conversation forthcoming we began to think we might be peddlers after all i never knew a population with so narrow a range of conjecture as the innkeepers of ponceau sombre but manners and bearing have not a wider currency than banknotes you have only to get far enough out of your beat and all your accomplished heirs will go for nothing these enalters could see no difference between us and the average peddler indeed we had some grounds for reflection while the steak was getting ready to see how perfectly they accepted us at their own evaluation and how our best politeness and best efforts at entertainment seemed to fit quite suitably with the character of packmen at least it seemed a good account of the profession in france that even before such judges we could not beat them at our own weapons at last we were called to table the two hinds and one of them looked sadly worn and white in the face as though sick with overwork and underfeeding supped off a single plate of some sort of bread berry 
some potatoes in their jackets a small cup of coffee sweetened with sugar candy and one tumbler of swipes the landlady her son and the lass aforesaid took the same our meal was quite a banquet by comparison we had some beefsteak not so tender as it might have been some of the potatoes some cheese an extra glass of the swipes and white sugar in our coffee you see what it is to be a gentleman i beg your pardon what it is to be a peddler it had not before occurred to me that a peddler was a great man in a labourer's alehouse but now that i had to enact the part for an evening i found that it was so he has in his headquarters somewhat the same pre-eminency as the man who takes a private parlour in a hotel the more you look into it the more infinite are the class distinctions among men and possibly by a happy dispensation there is no one at all at the bottom of the scale no one but can find some superiority over somebody else to keep up his pride withal we were displeased enough with our fare particularly the cigarette for i tried to make believe that i was amused with the adventure tough beefsteak and all according to the lucretian maxim our steak should have been flavored by the look of the other people's breadberry but we did not find it so in practice you may have a head knowledge that other people live more poorly than yourself but it is not agreeable i was going to say it is against the etiquette of the universe to sit at the same table and pick your own superior diet from among their crusts i had not seen such a thing done since the greedy boy at school with his birthday cake it was odious enough to witness i could remember and i had never thought to play the part myself but there again you see what it is to be a peddler there is no doubt that the poorer classes in our country are much more charitably disposed than their superiors in wealth and i fancy it must arise a great deal from the comparative indistinction of the easy and the not so easy in these ranks a workman or a peddler cannot shutter himself off from his less comfortable neighbours if he treats himself to a luxury he must do it in the face of a dozen who cannot and what should more directly lead to charitable thoughts thus the poor man camping out in life sees it as it is and knows that every mouthful he puts in his belly has been wrenched out of the fingers of the hungry but at a certain stage of prosperity as in a balloon ascent the fortunate person passes through a zone of clouds and sublunary matters are thenceforward hidden from his view he sees nothing but the heavenly bodies all in admirable order and positively as good as new he finds himself surrounded in the most touching manner by the attentions of providence and compares himself involuntarily with the lilies and the skylarks he does not precisely sing of course but then he looks so unassuming in his open landau if all the world dined at one table this philosophy would meet with some rude knocks. End of section six.